I got power? There you go. Good time of worship, huh? I told him, I said, I could sing that for about another 2,000 years. And we probably will when we get to heaven. Great, are the, great is the Lord. You know, when they were singing that, I, the verse that kind of popped in my head, and I think it was Isaiah that said it, I could just see, I see the Lord, and he's high and lifted up, and his train filling the temple. And just how majestic that must be. And one day, and I say this almost every time I teach, we're going to be there, guys, in the very throne of God. And uh, that's going to be exciting. It really is. But you guys doing okay tonight? Good? Good. All right, good. See what time it is. Hey, that lady that was up here, she was pretty good, huh? (laughs) It's my beautiful wife. All these other pastors get to say that. I don't get to say that that much, but she's here tonight, and she's probably already tired. She's a shift supervisor at Starbucks. She wakes up at, what time you got to leave the house, hon? Four o'clock? Quarter to four, so she's tired, and she needs to get home, but... uh, I'm excited tonight to be able to teach and get through the book of Corinthians. You guys have been enjoying the book so far? Good? Good practical book. I love it. We'll get right on into it. You know, the Corinthian church, we're already learning that it was very immature. It was very carnal, very fleshy, filled with a lot of problems. That's the kind of church I don't want to go to. And, I, you know, thank God that that's not the kind of church that journey is here. That fatherly apostle Paul... You know, had to get a little harsh with the church a while back ago. And matter of fact, what he ended up doing is he threw a guy out of the church. He wasn't there. He said, I'll be there in spirit. He said, but I've already kind of passed judgment on this guy. You need to kick this guy out. It's not a good thing what he was doing. And, you know, whoever taught on that section that, you know, he was shacked up with his uh, his stepmom. And Paul even said, look, man, the pagans outside there don't even do this kind of stuff. You know, and I thought about this. I said, you know, I didn't teach on this section, but I like kind of going back a little bit. You know, did Paul give him a chance to repent or did anybody give him a chance to repent? And I would have to say probably they did. I really believe that. And then some people, I know maybe somebody even here today, tonight might just say, man, that was just too harsh. Well, I don't think it really was too harsh. That church was tolerating a lot of things, and they tolerated this whole thing going on. As a matter of fact, you kind of see this like their spiritual pride. They thought they were a very spiritual church. And hopefully what we're learning as we're going through this book here, that they really weren't too spiritual. They were very carnal, but not very spiritual. And Paul didn't like that they kind of even boasted that, oh, it's okay, we can let this kind of stuff go. We don't have to deal with this kind of stuff. You know, and you say, well, hang on a second here. Aren't we supposed to give grace? Aren't we? Of course we are. We are supposed to give grace. But in this section, as Paul was talking to the church, he saw something that was going to happen. They were going to get infected with a lot more sin. And a lot of that was going to come into the church. If you guys don't already understand it, that the world's mindset is already creeping in. And I I put that it's already creeping into the church. uh, And I said, it's already here. I was kind of looking through my notes Tonight, and I said, no, it's already here. There's a guy named Francis Schaefer. Does any of you guys remember that guy? No, you don't. You're too young. Some of you do. He came out with this book. It was called, I think it was called, How Should We Live Then? 
40 some odd years ago, this guy saw what this world was going to look like. And he ended up doing, I was going to say it was like a DVD series. No, I was before DVDs. It was a film series that we saw at church. Powerful. He was going to say, this is how the church is going to look. This is how the church is going to think. This is what the world's going to look like. He was spot on. It's a scary thing. It truly is. The church, unfortunately, and I think what Francis Schaeffer was getting at was that the church was going to come to a place in its history where it didn't honor the Bible. God's word is the absolute truth of the universe. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. This is it. Okay, this is the absolute truth. We live in a world that says there are no absolutes. There is absolute. It's the Bible. And I hope that that mindset, that worldly mindset, hasn't grabbed a hold of you. And if it has, we need to kind of let go of it. Tonight we go into Corinthians, the sixth chapter. We're going to be dealing with lawsuits. Lawsuits. It's interesting. I'm headed into a lawsuit. You guys remember, you think you know who it's going to be? It's my neighbor. <laughs> I'm taking you along this journey with me. He's filed a lawsuit against me now. That's where it's going. My unreasonable neighbor. We offered mediation to him. He didn't accept it. He's refused to listen to attorneys. He's refused to listen to our homeowners association. And he definitely didn't want to listen to me. But I taught through this section. I was telling Pastor Jeff, you know, I looked through my notes. And I love going through Corinthians. I taught through this section one time in 86 and then also in uh, 1991. So back in, that's, what did you say, Pastor? <laughs> that's how young I am, right? You guys can tell that. I really dye my hair gray. That's what it really is. Well, this is a great section of Scripture, and I think we're really going to see some good stuff in it tonight. It's very, very practical. The Bible is practical. So let's stand up to honor God's Word, and I'm just going to read through one verse, and then we're going to get right on into it. Chapter 6, verse 1, it says, One of you has a dispute with another believer. How dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? All right, let's pray. Father, give us clarity tonight. Help us to understand what your scripture is saying to us. I pray that no one has to go through what I'm going to experience here in a short while. But that if we do have disputes, there's disagreements that we have, May we learn to deal with them the way that your Bible tells us to do. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Why don't you guys all sit down. The father of the apostle Paul, he gives this church a sharp rebuke like a father. My kids are all grown now. I got a little cute little grandkid, and I don't care what he does. (laughs) I really don't. But I tell you what, and my wife knows it, I could give my kids a stare and they knew that what they were doing was the wrong thing. This is is Paul's church. He loved them like a father. But he gives them a sharp rebuke. A sharp rebuke. They were having disputes with one another, you know, and I was thinking, well, that happens, doesn't it? I mean, you guys have had disputes, right? Have any of you had any disputes with anybody sitting at your table? Raise your hand. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Well, that's because Jeff is in there, right? Oh, and you got your daughter there, too. There you go. My wife and I, we never have disputes. Right, honey? Oh, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> Trust me, we've had them. I can guarantee you that. 
But it happens, isn't it? I mean, we don't always agree. That's just how it is. We think differently. We really do. We see things differently from time to time. I can't. I'm going to pick on my wife tonight because she's here. I can't believe how many times that we just don't see things the same way. It's as clear as day to me, but it's foggy to her. (laughs) The night is young. There you go. But disagreements happen, don't they? They really do. I mean, you get problems in the workforce. You get problems with your friends. You get problems with some of your brothers and sisters, maybe even sitting at the table. You know, church relationships. And even with our own family from time to time, we get trouble. And there's disputes that go on. Paul says to them, how dare you file a lawsuit? And literally in the Greek, what it means, how dare you go take your brother to court? Or how dare you take your, your, your brother to law? You can hear the harshness in his voice as he did that. I would get that way with my kids from time. They could tell there was a harshness. There was a sternness that was there. Because what they were doing was wrong. And I didn't like it. And I knew their heavenly father didn't like it. And there's a lot of things that you and I do as believers. I'm going to tell you something. Our heavenly father just doesn't like it. And there's times I think, boy, he'd like to just slap us if he could. Listen to what the Phillips translation says. I I love this. And and Odell put my slides together, and he loves the Phillips translation. I love using it, and you guys know that. It says this, when any of you has an agreement against another, aren't you ashamed? Ashamed to bring the matter to be settled before a pagan court instead of before the church? We want to take them. Put that slide up there, Odie. You want to take them to one of these guys? (laughs) Judge Miliano, Judge Judy, Mathis, Judge, all of those guys. What he's trying to say, he says, man, you don't want to take them to these guys here. He's trying to tell me, he says, that's not, the great, that's not the right thing to do. Americans are lawsuit crazy. Are lawsuit crazy. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever been in a lawsuit? A few of you. There you go. Look at that. Get ready. One of these days you might have it. No, I'm not going to speak that on you. But it happens. They'll sue for anything and everything that's going on there. My wife first for Starbucks. They get sued all the time. The latest one that they're suing them for is what they're like shorting them on the lattes or something like that. I got a thing. I got a thing sent to us and, and we've gone to a lot of concerts. We love going up to Santa Barbara and watching the old rock and roll bands and stuff. So we buy ticket, you know, Ticketmaster and stuff. There's a big class action suit. We might get some free tickets. I like that because they overcharged us when we bought them. That's why I go up to the Santa Barbara Bowl and buy them when they're there. We have a friend of ours, very, very dear friend of ours. She's like an aunt to our kids. They were part of our church when we were pastoring. And she bumped into this car. She didn't even know she bumped into the car in front of her. She didn't know that they even, that she even touched them or hit them. They sued her for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It it just, it, it almost just consumed her. It was such a stressful thing that she went through. It's insane what goes on. It truly is. Well, can't a secular court decide a matter? What's wrong with that? Well, Paul will answer that in a moment. We'll see. Can you get justice in the court system? How many of you believe that we can get justice in the court system? Wow. I, I think we can get justice from time to time. But there's a lot of times where we don't get justice through that thing. Did you guys know that the Roman Empire had their own court system? 
And matter of fact, the town that was close to Corinth, which was Athens, the people had to go to jury duty. You guys like jury duty? Nah, you don't like it. (laughs) So what he tells them, he gives them a good solution. He says, what I want you to do is why don't you just take it to another believer? That's what he wants them to do. Just take it to another believer. Is it sin to take a Christian to court? That's kind of what I think Paul's trying to say here. It's not right. It's not the right thing to do. Going to court with a non-Christian is unavoidable. I'm headed there. I can't avoid it. I wish I could. Why? You know, with an, with an unbeliever. How come, how come he's not suggesting you do with an unbeliever? Because you know, they're not going to listen to what you have to say. That person. J. Vernon McGee. Can't believe my wife used that. But J. Vernon McGee had this guy walk into his office. And he used to pastor a large church down in Los Angeles. And he had this guy who was a businessman that got into a transaction with another guy in the church. And he felt like the guy did him wrong. So he went into J. Vernon McGee, the pastor, and said, hey, you got to kick this guy out of the church. And J. Vernon McGee kind of looked at him and said, wait a second. I haven't even heard from this guy. He goes, I'm not going to do anything I do until, you know, you bring that guy in here and we talk it over and stuff. The guy walked out of his office. Nothing ever happened. He wasn't willing to listen to what was going to happen there. Well, let's go on. He'll give us uh, reasons not to go to secular court. Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world and that since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? Angels, he says. So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. In this life. What Paul is trying to do is make a case why we should not go if we have trouble with a brother, you know, Christian and Christian. He's trying to make a case why we shouldn't do that. And he gives two reasons. He says, one, the church is going to judge the world. Did you guys know that? We're going to judge the world. 2 Timothy 2.12, it says this. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. And then Revelation 26 says this. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For then the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him a thousand years. See, part of that that ruling that he's talking about there is there is judgment. How does that look? I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know if all of a sudden they let Jeff pass judgment on this person and I get to pass. I, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. But he says, we're going to judge the world. And then, secondly, he said, did you pick that up there? We're going to judge the angels. You're saying the good angels? No, we're not going to judge the good angels. There's probably going to be these evil angels, the one that Jude talked about in verse 6. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of the authority God gave them, but left them the, pla- left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Satan, who used to be called Lucifer, and you know, Lucifer means like light bearer. This was the guy who was the worship leader of heaven. Somehow, some way, he convinced one-third of the angels in heaven. How many angels? I don't know. Probably millions of them. God created the angels. Angels have free will, just like you and I. 
But they aren't human like us. They, don't, they did not have God breathe life into them. Soul. Our soul lives forever. But a third of them got convinced by Satan. And they took off. And they went with them. They're now called demons. Is what they are. Paul's point is this. And this is what he's trying to say here. That you and I, the church, the bride of Christ, is more than capable, more than capable to handle our own disputes. You guys get that? Handle our own disputes. If we got a problem with one another, we don't need to go to Judge Judy. You know, hum? No, that's not an answer. That's what she says, if you guys all know. But we can handle that. I believe this. I believe the church, if the church uses the Bible correctly, it can guide into sound decisions. Into sound decisions. Listen to what this founding uh, father said. We should have that up on the slide there. Founding uh, father and educator, Noah Webster. This is really interesting what he says here. Hey, is that a picture of him too? Did you find that? That's cool. He lived a long time ago, as you can see up there. He says this, and he's talking about the Bible, guys, the scriptures. He says, the moral principles and the precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all civil constitutions and laws. And then listen to what he says here. All the miseries and the evils which men suffer from crime, vice, ambition, injustice, oppression... Slavery and war proceed from what? The despising and the neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. Wow. That's a powerful statement. I mean, when I read that, I, I kind of sat back a little bit on my, you know, on my chair up in my office. And I went, wow, that's an amazing thing. I was going, what's he trying to really say there? What I think this guy is trying to say there is that, you know what? If... if we just lived by the Bible. All this suffering and all this evil wouldn't be there. This world is pure evil. And guys, it's getting worse. It's scary, this stuff. I, 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 I'm like, you know, my wife and I like watching the news. But man, I'm getting to the point. I said, I don't want to watch it no more. There's too many killings. There's too much evil going on. It's a hateful, evil world. And I hate to say this. But it's only going to get worse before Jesus comes back again. It really is. And we're the light of the world. So we need to let our lights shine so brightly that maybe it can keep some of the darkness out for a while. Listen, once the rapture of the church happens, and you know me, I love talking about that stuff. Once the rapture of the church, when we get caught up in the air, I'm going to tell you what, that restraining force that holds this world, it's gone. And all hell breaks loose. It really does. And then the book of Revelation, you see it unfold in all the judgments and all the things that are going to happen. Well, let's go on, verse 4 and 5. See some more insights on how to handle these disputes. If you have a legal dispute about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? There's that fatherly heart again. And he's trying to say to them, he says, come on, guys, quit going to these secular judges. And, and listen, 
they, they, got, they got to do that. They, they were able to go to these secular things. And Paul's saying, don't do those kind of things. Don't go to those secular things. He's trying to get to a point where they start feeling like, gosh, I'm really you know, ashamed of what we're doing here. To be embarrassed by it. People aren't embarrassed by anything nowadays. You know, and he tells them how to handle it. He says, can't you find one person? I mean, isn't there one person in here that's smart enough to do that? That's what he's saying. I I think it's sarcastically he's saying that to them. Come on, guys. There's got to be one person that's smart enough to do that. The book of Proverbs is just full of things about wisdom. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 2 says, for the Lord grants wisdom. James 1.5, used on Sunday morning, I think it was. Ask for wisdom, you get it. Uh, Proverbs 4.7 says, Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. You want to know what the wisest thing is? King Solomon just tells you, seek after wisdom. Seek after good judgment. Proverbs 17.24, Sensible people keep their eyes glued Glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wanders to the ends of the earth. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians don't function in wisdom. They don't have a lot of sound judgment. They don't have a lot of good judgment. They don't rely, as my wife was saying, upon the Holy Spirit, which we learned a lot about in the book of Acts, to give you insight and understanding to the things that we're facing or what we need to do as we're facing things in our life. What direction should I go? This and that. People just don't. Christians sometimes just. They, they just don't have it. They don't have that wisdom. Because it will guide us and protect us. Rome allowed the Jews to judge themselves. They didn't have to go to secular courts. Isn't that amazing? They allowed the, the, the Jewish nation to judge themselves. That's pretty amazing. You see that throughout the scriptures there. Well, what are we supposed to do with the dispute with the non-Christian? Kind of through this section here, it's not really kind of talking about it. But uh, what I really believe is that uh, we're free to go to court when it comes to those things. And you say, well, well why? Well, they're not going to listen to some mediator. And, and that's basically what he's trying to, to, to do here. In other words, here's, here's the practicality of this. If one Christian, say Andy, has trouble with Walter. You guys got trouble? I hope not. <laughs> and they've got a dispute and they go, we're going to judge Judy. What he's saying is, quit that. Don't go there. Try and find one person. One neutral person. And that's the practicality. of One neutral person, one Christian arbitrator, one Christian attorney. Listen, there are churches that have personally experienced this thing. Matter of fact, John MacArthur out in the valley and stuff like that, they have a whole thing set up. Another way to do it, say you two are having a dispute and you didn't want to pay for an arbitrator or something. You can bring before the pastor and before the church council and say, hey, look, state your case, state your case. Book of Proverbs is interesting. It says that the first one who states their case, boy, it sounds like it's, it's so truthful. And then you get the second one telling it, you go, well, I don't know if this guy's telling the truth anymore. But that's what you do with the Christian. So two Christians from our church, we say, well, hang on a second here. What if I got a problem? What if Walter has a problem with some other guy from another church, maybe in Ventura? What should he do? Well, follow the same thing. Find some neutral person. Find an arbitrator. Find a Christian attorney. 
Or here's another suggestion. Get both the pastors in there and both the council members in there and have them sit down and have it just be like a, a court thing going on there and see what happens. But what you have to do then is you've got to be willing to accept and abide by the ruling. See, that's, remember, back to J. Vernon McGee, that guy didn't want to abide by it. That's why he took off. That's what we have to do. The Old Testament, great story. King Solomon, you guys remember the story? He was an arbitrator, wasn't he? Two women. They really, they didn't live a good life. They lived in the same house. They both had, gave birth. One baby dies. One mom switches the babies up thinking the other person wasn't going to figure it out. I don't know how that could ever happen. But I guess, you know what? When babies are really small like that and really young, sometimes it's tough to do that. People have got, you know, taken home the wrong baby. Did we take home the wrong kids? Did we? I think sometimes we did, you know. What did he end up doing? You guys remember the story? He was the arbitrator. What did he say he was going to do to him? Anybody? Cut him in half. Great wisdom. The wisest man that has ever lived on the planet. And even to this day, he's the wisest man. I really believe that. And probably the most wealthiest man that has ever lived on the planet, even to this day. He said, I got a good idea. I cut this kid in half. And once he said that, you know what happened. The mom said, no, don't do that. Give him the kid. He knew exactly that the mom was going to do that. So you need that arbitration at time to do that. Let's go on. Verse 6. But, and you always need to look at those things. Watch for those buts, therefores. But instead, one believer sues another right in front of what? Unbelievers. Even to, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. We're going to stop right there. Suing a believer in front of unbelievers is not good. It is not a good testimony. That's what he's trying to say. And I was thinking about it even as I was going through the, my message before I got here tonight. I went, yes, what a terrible testimony. These are people who are trying to win to Christ and all of a sudden, they see us fighting against one another in the secular court system. Not a good testimony. If you've ever seen on TV, you know, on the news or something, they'll have this church fighting this church in their court and stuff. Terrible testimony. He says, look, it's a defeat to you. It's a loss. It's a failure. It's not the right thing to do. To sue our brothers and sisters in Christ. What I get from that is that the church, us, we take care of our own business. Take care of our own business. Don't hang out our dirty laundry. And we've got it. And you guys know we got it. Yeah. We're imperfect people. It's not a perfect church. We don't have a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect husband. My wife will say amen to that. But we need to take care of our own business. Unbelievers don't need to see us fighting with one another. It's not a good thing. It really isn't. We need to live in such a way that brings honor and glory to our Father. That's what we need. You know, didn't you, did you ever have your parents, you know, and, and we'd say that from time to time. It's like, you know, to our kids, make us proud. You know, I, when they would walk off to school, I'd say, do good and be good. I'd say that to our kids every time they walked out of that house. Because you know what? They were representing us just like we represent our Heavenly Father. Well, let's go on. We're getting close to wrapping this up. But instead, one believer 
Excuse me, I already did that. Why? Why not accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourself be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. He gives another solution. Another solution. The first solution, go find an arbitrator. And he says, I, I got you, I've got even another solution that I think is even a better thing to do. He says, just accept the injustice. Just ex- accept the, and in the Greek it means the wrong or the hurt or the injury that you've experienced. I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> My little grand says, grandkid says that all the time because grandpa's always saying that. Are you, I read that and I went, are you kidding me? I'm supposed, I'm supposed to just accept the injustice? He says, accept being cheated. Accept being defrauded. How many of you ever been cheated, defrauded, wronged, hurt, or injured? Oh, yeah. And I was sitting there going, man, I could do table talk on this, but I'd never get you guys to stop talking if you just start airing all of that kind of stuff. So we're not doing any table talk tonight. You guys never follow my talk anyway. Takes about 20 minutes to get you guys back. But listen, this is Paul's solution. You know what his solution is? Just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. In other words, what he's trying to say here, and it fits with the worship and the songs that we were singing tonight. He's, he's basically what he's saying to this church, just practice love. We're about love, aren't we? I mean, that's what we do. We love the world one person at a time. He says, just practice love. You practice love, you're not going to be taking your brother to court and suing him for what's going on there. Just practice love. Have a lifestyle of love. Colossians 3 says this, above all, clothe yourself with love. It's like, like putting on, I, I get this picture of just putting on this, this, this coat. You know, when you're really cold, you're putting on its love. Clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in what? Perfect harmony. 1 Peter 4.8, and Peter understood this. That's why he wrote this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of what? Sins. Love lets go. That's what it does. It doesn't hold into account. And I'm not going into uh, Corinthians chapter 13, but Paul gives it to this church. Six more chapters because they weren't full of love. So he wanted them to see what love was supposed to look like. And he begins to describe it there. And we're not going to get into that tonight. We're wrapping it up. I was thinking, why do people sue? What is the main reason? And most of the commentaries and uh, the stuff that you read and the guys teaching on it and stuff, they say really the one basic reason for that is just, it's revenge. It's settling the score. It's, you know, you did me wrong. I'm going to pay you back. That's what it is. I was thinking about my neighbor, and I'm going to wrap this up real close here, quickly. I was thinking, it's his ego. And I think God kind of just showed that to me, that sometimes when people do this, it's just Mr. Eagle sitting on their shoulder, just tell them, you got to do this. And I really believe that, you know, with my neighbor, that, that Mr. Eagle is telling him, he says, look, if you let this thing go, if you do the right thing and just let it go, 
that you'll look foolish or you'll look stupid. And that he'll look stupid to me or the neighbors that know what's going on through the, all of this. I'm going to tell you what. I was thinking about this. I would be grateful if he lets go. And even when all of this is said and done and after the lawsuit and all that junk goes on, I'm still going over and I'm going to be a friend to him. I'm going to love this guy. You know, that's what it is. You know, Jeff's always asked me, pastors, I say, how's it going? And he tells me, he goes, it's good for you. See, <laughs> he gives me what I give him. <laughs> when we meet together and we talk, I'm going, pastor, how, how's the church doing, man? How's it? I can see it weighing on him sometimes. And I look at him and say, oh, it's good for you. <laughs> but my son told me this, and I never heard this, that ego is edging out God. Any of you guys heard that before? I just must be stupid. I never heard that one. Edging out God. And I was thinking, man, when we do edge out God, we got trouble. We got difficulties. We got disputes. What we need to do is this. Dethrone Mr. Ego as quickly as possible when it raises its ugly head. Never return evil for evil. That's what First Peter says. That's the golden rule. Love people. And always practice love. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for it being so practical to us. I, I love your word, Lord. You know I do. I just pray that none of us would experience, you know, lawsuits in our life. But maybe we will in the future. There's already a good couple handfuls of people that experience these things. But with us being brothers and sisters, help us just to love each other, Lord. That's what I pray. Let us practice love. Let us clothe ourselves with love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's have the worship team back up.